welcome back to the Wire Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McCrary. I'm back, and I got a lot, of, a lot to talk about today. As you all know, the NBA playoffs have returned. Uh, all of the Game 1s have been played, so I want to talk about those. I want to talk about the Fernando Tati situation that happened this weekend. And I want to finish out the pod talking about the NBA Draft Lottery, which happens tomorrow night. I can't wait for that. been waiting for way too long, but I'm glad it's here. Let's start off talking about the Fernando Tati situation. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, this, I believe it was Sunday night. Uh, Sunday, the Padres were playing the Rangers. Uh, they were up big. Uh, Fernando Tati's hit a home run to go up 10-3. to he in that home run gave him. Uh, he he had he was with that home run he had tied for the lead uh, in the league for home runs with Mike Trout. Uh, they went up ten three. He came up to bat later on in the game, and this is where the drama happened or the drama started. Uh, there was a three zero count, and the pitcher had thrown. He had threw like a ton of balls in a row, and he he was facing a three zero count facing Tatis. And instead of and Tatis on the third on the on the fourth pitch, it was it was a strike. So he swung, hit the ball. It was a home run. Bases were loaded. It's a grand slam. He takes the lead. lead he lead, now he leads the league in home runs for the season, uh, with I believe eleven. He had a home run. Now the Padres are up fourteen to three. I I think it was I think it was in the eighth inning. Um, it was later in the game. Maybe, maybe it was the sixth. Don't hold me to that. I don't. I don't remember uh, specifically what inning it was, but he hit a grand slam to go up fourteen to three and to take the league lead in home runs for the season. And everyone was very upset about it. Now you may be wondering why was everyone upset about um like why was everyone upset about Fernando Tatis hitting a grand slam? Like, what's the big deal? Well. Baseball sucks, basically. Uh, that, that's the short answer. But here, I will go dive into the long answer. And the long answer is that baseball has these unwritten rules. These are rules that are not written down in any kind of rule book. They're just rules and guidelines that everyone in the game just follows for the sake of the game. Uh, one of these unwritten rules is that when a pitcher, when you're up big... And there is a 3-0 count. Apparently, you're not supposed to swing on a 3-0 count because the pitcher is going to throw you a strike most of the time. Uh, I didn't realize that was an unwritten rule. Um, and it's stupid. It's terrible. I don't know why this is an unwritten rule. Like, why? I mean, and here's the thing. I get why people don't like like it when teams run up the score. But it's baseball. Baseball is an untimed sport. It's not like Fernando Tatis did a 360 dunk up 20 with like 10 seconds left in a basketball game. That's not how baseball works. You can't really do that. That's not really possible. There's no way to do that in baseball because it's not timed. If a team is down big, they actually have like an unlimited amount of time to come back. So it's not like they're, you know, racing against the clock. So you have to score as many runs as possible to make sure their lead is as insurmountable as possible. Um, so that's like, and I just don't, I just don't think that running up the score is really kind of like possible in baseball, uh, considering that it is a time sport. 
And why would you let someone throw you a strike? And why would you not swing at it? If someone threw you a strike right down the middle on a 3-0 count, why on earth would you not swing? Like, why should you not swing at that baseball? Like, I don't get why. This is the reason why baseball is starting to fall apart and why it's becoming irrelevant in our culture because of stupid crap like this. Fernando Tatis just took the lead. He just, he just took the lead. Um, in home runs for the season over Mike Trout, the best player in baseball. He, he hit a grand slam and, and his team went up 14 to three. They went on to win the game and we, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about his two home run day. We're not going to talk about how he hit a, hit a home run, then followed it up with a grand slam. We're not going to talk about all of the great things that one of the best young players in all of baseball is doing. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how he disrespected the game by swinging on a 3-0 count. Why, why? Why is he being criticized? It's not his fault that the picture sucks and is in a 3-0 count. It's not his fault. And look, if a team wants to run the score up, that's, like, it's your fault for sucking. Like, it's not Fernando Tatis' fault that he is freaking good at hitting a baseball and just hit it 18 miles into the sands. It's not his fault. Like, I just don't get why people are being critical of him. It's stupid. It makes no sense. I'm proud of Tatis Jr. That dude is a freaking stud. He's one of the best young players in all of baseball. He needs to keep on swinging. And I don't, I don't give a crap if if it's a three zero count and they're up big. Keep hacking, bud. Uh, that's that, those are my thoughts. I think it's stupid. I think it's ridiculous to suggest that someone should let it, should you know not play their hardest and should let a pitcher throw a strike just because they're up big. That's a ridiculous uh, proposition, in my opinion. I think it's ridiculous. And in all honesty, I, I believe that running up the score should be encouraged in all sports. If you don't want teams to run up the score on you, how about this? How about you actually be good and stop them from doing that? Uh, that, that, that that's my thought. I have no issue with running up the score. Um, because I just think that you, you can do something about it. You can stop them from doing it. Um, and I get some people will think it's disrespectful, but guess what? It's disrespectful that that pitcher for the Rangers threw like nine balls in a row and can't find the strike zone. I think that's disrespectful. And I think everyone that says that what Tontis Jr. did was wrong, I think they're insane. And, oh, yeah, let me, let me talk about the Padres manager who was out of his mind. That dude is a huge wuss. I mean, I'm glad that he just let everyone know on national television that he has a vagina. Because I cannot believe that Tatis Jr.'s own manager criticized him in a press conference after the game. Like, that is ridiculous. You're, 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 you're a young star. Just did his second home run of the game. Hit a grand slam to go up 14-3. to Like, he hit a grand slam to go up 14-3, to and you're going to criticize him in a press conference after the game because it was a 3-0 count? That's ridiculous. Get out of here. I mean, it's his first year. I get it, but come on. Like, come on, dude. Grow a pair. Grow a pair. Stop criticizing your player because there were some ridiculous unwritten rules in baseball. It's, it's ridiculous. Let's move on. I've been talking about this way too long. It's stupid, and a lot of people on Twitter agree with me. Like a like a majority of the people on Twitter are saying that this is stupid, and that 
the unwritten rules of baseball are terrible. I completely agree. But uh, nevertheless, let's get into these NBA playoff games. I can't wait to talk about them. They were really, really good. Uh, except for no, I think I think they were all pretty good. Um, especially the Nuggets Jazz game. That's the first game I want to talk about. Uh, wow, uh, this was the this this game will officially be known as the Donovan Mitchell game because he was awesome. And I feel like we don't give, or I don't want to say we. Uh, I don't know if I've had this if I've had this conversation if I've had the Donovan Mitchell conversation on the podcast yet, but I don't feel like. The, that the media and that people on social media in general give Donovan Mitchell the credit he deserves. He's a star. Like he, he, he has the talent of a star. And he's already accomplished enough early on in his career where I think it's okay to give him that label. Like he, he has led the Jazz uh, to the playoffs in his first three years, in the first three years of his career. And he's been the primary scorer. He's been a lead guard. He's been incredible. And people just don't give him the respect he deserves because apparently he hasn't improved that much, which isn't true. Um, and he showed how much he has improved. I mean, he was incredible in this game. He scored 57 points, had a 57-7 and 9 stat line, shot 19 for 33 from the field. He was scoring all types of way, creating a shot in the perimeter, attacking the basket. I mean, showing off his athleticism on a few dunks. I mean, did you see the double clutch dunk he had in that game? That was phenomenal. Uh, but he he was awesome. He was incredible. And I think one thing that he doesn't get enough credit for is his passing. Like he is a very very good passer, um, and I, I just didn't really realize that till recently. Watching him in the receding games and the bubble. I don't watch a ton of Jazz games. So it may, maybe he was doing this kind of stuff in the regular season before everything got, uh, you know, after the season got postponed. Uh, but his passing has been on another level in the bubble so far. And I'm loving it. Like, he's throwing some skip passes that are really, like, it, they are very difficult passes to make. And he's making them. Uh, he played so well. Um, Jokic played well, uh, too, and he was, he's going up against the best defensive big men in the league, and he dropped 29-3-10. and 10. He was really, really good. He was hitting shots from the perimeter, um, and, I mean, he really took, uh, Rudy Gobert to school in that game offensively. I mean, early on in that game, the Nuggets, they actually got out to a big lead, or not, not a big lead, but a decent lead. The Jazz, uh, they came back, and the Jazz... I mean, it was impressive what they did yesterday because Mike Conley didn't play. Uh, Mike Conley, he actually left the bubble to witness the birth of his son. Uh, so props to him. I mean, that's, you know, congratulations on on the birth of his son. That's a special moment for him. Uh, and they played well. And Donovan Mitchell, uh, he, he came to play. Uh, I mean, he really showed up in the absence of Conley. So shout out to him. Uh, but yeah, the Jazz came back and they just fought. Uh, and, and they don't, I mean, they don't have, they're not a great team in my opinion. They're good. Uh, I don't think, I don't think their play calling has been that great in the bubble. I think their offense has been underwhelming. It hasn't been very complex. It hasn't been very creative. It's looked stale at times. Um, it didn't yesterday. And I think that's primarily because of Donovan Mitchell. They let him loose. They let him take all the shots. They let him leverage his shot creation. 
Um, and they allowed him to be a, a, a playmaker as well um, as the primary scoring option. And I think I think that was a great decision. There were some turnovers, uh, but he did a good job of getting Rudy Gobert involved as well as, you know, generating rim pressure um, and hitting shots at the perimeter. I thought he was amazing. Um, one guy that I was interested in seeing play was Michael Porter Jr. Um, he shot, like, he didn't he didn't see a shot he didn't like yesterday. I mean, he shot the ball a ton. Um, and he, he was just, he didn't hit a lot. I mean, he was he was okay. He had some flashes of brilliance. Uh, but overall, he was, he, I mean, he was okay. Uh, nothing special. One guy that really impressed me was Monte Morris. He hit some very, very big shots in that game. Uh, I was impressed by him. Uh, Rudy Gobert, the the production we saw from him on the defensive side of the court yesterday was insane. I mean, he had two steals and four blocks. That six stocks and stocks, if you didn't know, is the combination of steals and blocks. He was awesome. Um, he, he was really good. Even though he kind of struggled a little bit to guard Jokic, um, he still, I mean, he had two steals and four blocks. That's a good day, no matter who you are. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, this game went down to the wire, went, went to overtime, and uh, Donovan Mitchell, I mean, he, he just carried the Nuggets offense, hit some big big shots down the stretch uh, to take this game to overtime, but once we got to OT, you know, uh, there, were, there was just way too many turnovers for the Jazz in the overtime period, I mean, they were turning the ball over like every possession, it felt like. Uh, one guy that really, really shined in overtime was Jamal Murray. I mean, the shot-making we saw from him and Mitchell at that OT period was insane. I mean, that, that was some high-level play there. Uh, and Murray, I mean, if Murray can play like that consistently and can have that kind of shot-making throughout the duration of an entire game on a game-to-game basis, he's going to be an all-star at some point. Because uh, it, it was very impressive what he did yesterday. He looked like a star. Um, I just hope we can see some more consistency from him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he was amazing. He had 36, 9, and 5 for the entire game. He was really good. And as good as Donovan Mitchell was, when, when they, you know, when it mattered the most, Jamal Murray is the guy who came through, um, hit the big shots, and, and um, really, really, he, he was the primary reason why the Nuggets came out of this game with the W because of his performance in overtime. One thing I do want to mention before I move on to the second game uh, the crowd noise, or the, the lack of a crowd, hasn't bothered me at all in the bubble. In the receding games, I didn't really have an issue with there not being fans in, in, the, in the arena. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Um, and, and I thought, I thought the NBA had, the whole setup I thought was really, really good. Uh, but in the playoffs, it's a totally different story. Because there's not a playoff atmosphere to these games. Well, and I'm, and, you know, the, the intensity within the games um, is there, but like the crowd interaction isn't. And it was very noticeable in this game. There was a big shot that Jokic made late in the game to seal it. Um, it was a dagger. And when he hit the shot, there was just, there wasn't a lot of crowd, there wasn't a lot of artificial crowd noise. And I was like, man, like, if, if this were a packed arena, in Denver, like, the place would have went nuts. The arena would have just, like, just crumbled under the, just like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, the fans would have lost their minds 
and we just we we don't get that experience now. Um, and I thought it was very noticeable yesterday. No no fans being there isn't a huge deal to me. Uh, but that that was the first time where I where I was like watching it watching the game live, and I was like, oh oh wait, that's actually that's kind of weird. Uh, but yeah, that's all I got to say about this game. Let's move on to the Raptors versus Nets. Don't want to talk about this game too much. Uh, Raptors won 134 to 110. Uh, they just, you know, they didn't just beat the brakes off the Nets, uh, but they, they won pretty comfortably. Um, and I predicted that, that Levert wasn't going to be as effective as a scorer in this series. And he wasn't yesterday. Had 15 points on not great, um, shooting percentages. Um, and, and the, and the main reason why is because the Raptors kept trapping him. I mean, they were trapping him non-stop. Um, but what I didn't see, um, uh, happening was him being, like, an incredible passer. I mean, he, he had 15 assists. Um, and he, I mean, he was, like, playing really well as a playmaker, uh, which was impressive. Uh, but, you know, the Raptors played really, really good defense. They shot 50, 50% from three, 47% from the field. And what's arguably the most impressive about what they did was they shot 97% from the free throw line as a team. That's unheard of. Uh, that's crazy. The star of the game was Van Vliet. I mean, he had 30, 11, and 2 um, in three stocks. Shot 8 for 10 from three. I mean, he, he was hitting shots off the dribble. He had 11 assists. Um, I mean, he, he was just making plays for himself and for others. He was really, really good. One guy I do want to shout out for the Nets is Timothy Luwawu Kevarat. I mean, he had 26-2-7, shot 19 for 13 from the field, and 6 for 9 from the three-point line. Um, I mean, what a day for him. He played really, really well off the bench. Uh, but the Raptors, they just they came out, played good defense, played the way they want to play. Kyle Lowry hit some big shots off the dribble. From three, um, and the and Serge Ibaka played well too. He had twenty two points off the bench. Um, big big game for the Raptors. They won, so they got out to a one nothing lead. I'm actually recording this uh, right after the Raptors game two, um, and so uh, this will come out tonight. But I do want y'all to know that some game twos have already been played. Uh, but let's move on to the Celtics versus the Seventy Sixers. Um, Ben Simmons, his absence was huge in this game. He was missed a ton uh, by Philly. I mean, they just, they didn't have enough defenders. They didn't have anybody that could get the ball to Embiid late in the game. Um, and they struggled. Now, Embiid was still dominant down low. Um, and he, I mean, he, he had a really nice game, scored over 20 points. Um, there was, like, one play where Embiid hit a step back three with, like, less than five seconds on the shot clock. That was a great moment. Um, and, and he, he still had his moments where he just dominated the Celtics. Um, uh, but, like, they just didn't have enough shooting. Um, and, I mean, you can win with Embiid as your best player, um, and as your primary scorer, but you gotta surround him with, with guys who can be trusted as playmakers and shooters. And Philly's just not built that way. They're, they have done a terrible job. Uh, constructing that roster. Um, so shout out to Elton Brand for sucking as a GM. Um, and, and, and their flaws were just magnified in this game. I mean, late in the game, they, you could see uh, the lack of bodies they had on defense. Well, I mean, it just killed them because Jalen Brown, um, he took over in the fourth quarter. 
and, and put them in the coffin. Um, and Jalen Brown, had he was awesome. He had 29 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds, shot 9 for 16 from the field, 5 for 8 from the 3-point line, had 3 steals. He was great. Um, and so was Jason Tatum. Had 32 points, 1 assist, 13 rebounds. He was great as well. Also had 3 blocks, shot 10 for 21 from the field, 10 for 11 from the free throw line. Um, and late in the game, you know, the the Celtics would just trap Embiid. Whenever he got the ball, <coughs> Whenever he got the ball in the in the paint, they would just trap him. They'd blitz him, force the ball out of his hands, and it worked. Um, and, and and you know Philly Philly can't allow that to happen. And a lot of times they couldn't even get the ball down down to Embiid in the paint. That can't happen. Uh, if it does, this series is going to end very very quickly. Um, it sucks that Ben Simmons is out. What you got? You, I mean, that's the situation you're facing. You, you got to go through it. You got to fight through it. Um, but after that game, I'm worried for Philly. Uh, you know, M- Mellow Yellow is the bomb. Let's talk about the Clippers and the Mavericks, who had a very exciting game one. Um, Clippers won, uh, which is expected, but what wasn't expected was Luka's performance. Um, early on, it didn't look like Luka was going to have the kind of game that he did have. Uh, he struggled early on. He was turning the ball over. The Clippers uh, got out to an 18-4 lead early on. Um, and, I mean, they were playing great defense, forcing turnovers. Um, but the Mavs just turned it on. Luka adjusted super quickly. And he went on to have 42 points, 9 assists, and 7 rebounds. He was awesome. Uh, we're going to have a Luka Doncic conversation in a minute. Uh but yeah, Luca was great. He he was scoring at will, um, and, and that was just so impressive. I mean, what he did in a playoff game when he struggled at first, turned it around. He adjusted to the to the atmosphere, um, and he, he just dominated the Clippers almost single handedly. Won this game. Now, uh, everyone's everyone's been talking about the Kristaps Porzingis ejection. He got one tech in the game. Then later on. Marcus Morris got a little physical with Luca. Uh, was he uh, made some unnecessary contact? And Chris Stapps went over there to support his teammate. There was a little bit of a scu- I don't even want. I don't even want to call it a scuffle. Like it really wasn't that physical. I mean, he, he was just trying to get Morris off his teammate, so he kind of nudged him a bit. I didn't think uh, it was really worth a tech. Uh, I do understand why the ref gave him a second tech, and that's why he got ejected. He he didn't get ejected just for the contact that he made with Morris. He got ejected because that was the second tech, and when you get two techs, you're out of the game. That's why he got ejected. I don't know if, I, I feel like a lot of people don't understand that. I think a lot of people just thought he got ejected for that. that that's just not the case. Uh, that was his second tech. Um... I mean, I don't think he deserved it. I thought that was kind of a soft call. I don't understand why the ref made it, and I don't think it's like a... I'm not like here like, oh my gosh, that was the worst call ever. No, I do think it was a little bit soft, um, and I think Chris Stapps should not should not have gotten a second tech for that, and I thought he should have stayed in the game. Um, and that completely changed the tide um, of this game because the Clippers came back. You know, Luka did all he could. I mean, he was scoring at will down the stretch. The Clippers couldn't stop him. But Paul George late in this game, he turned it on. He hit shots. Um, he was really, really good in this game. Had tw- 27 points, 3 assists, 
two rebounds, shot 10 for 22 from the field. Kawhi Leonard also played pretty well, uh, 29-6 and 12, three steals, 11 for 21 from the field, and 6 for 6 from the free throw line. Marcus Morris had a very, very nice day. Um, had 19 points, one assist, six rebounds, four steals. He shot eight for 13 from the field, three for six from the three-point line. He was really, really good. Lou Williams played well off the bench as well, um, and they ended up winning this game. Uh, I don't know if the Mavericks would have won if Porzingis stayed in the game. Uh, I mean, it, they definitely had a good chance with the way they were playing. Um, but, yeah, and, and now... You know, the game hasn't started yet. Uh, the, by the time I'm recording this, uh, game two happens tonight. But it, it sounds like Kristaps uh, Porzingis may not play in game two. That'll be a huge loss, and that'll probably be the end of this series. Um, if the Mavs go down 2-0, I don't see them coming back. Uh, but I do want to have a conversation about Luka Doncic. Um, he's a superstar. Uh, and this, this may seem early. I mean, this is even early for me to call someone a superstar, but it's time. Uh, and I, I get that he's only 20, 21. He's 21, right? 21, 22. I think he's 21, 22, around there. Um, and just the way he plays. I mean, he can score at will. Um, he's such a good passer. He's one of the best passers in the league. I mean, some of the passes he's making in these... In, in, in the bubble, or just absolutely insane. He's one of the best passers in the NBA. Um, he's one of the most lethal scorers. He can, he can shoot, he can score in isolation. He can attack the basket. He's so good at changing pace, uh, speeding up, slowing down, changing directions. Um, he's got good footwork attacking the basket, got good touch. He's a good shooter, um, as well as being a great playmaker. And being able to lead a team uh, to a near upset of a team as deep and as talented as the Clippers in your first playoff game um, is so impressive. And the turnaround he made within the game when he, with the start that he had, that was super impressive. Uh, I thought that was awesome. He, he was just, like, he was really, really good. I think he's one of the best players in the league. I think we need to start having a conversation of where he ranks. Um... Because he, he's entering, like, top five. He's entering the top five conversation, in my opinion. Um, I don't think I want to say top three yet. Because for you to be a top three player in the league, you you usually, for me, you either need, like, an MVP or at least, like, a deep playoff run. He has neither. Uh, so I don't think he's a top three player yet. Uh, or just, like... He doesn't have the accomplishments to be a top three player. He's got the talent. Um, I mean, I think he is... He, he may be the most... I don't... Like, do I want to say that? I, I think he might be the most talented player in the NBA. Um, and, and I think he, his play style leads to winning. And because of that... Um, he, he's getting close to top three territory. It's too soon to put him there. Uh, but I would have no problem having him as a top five player. Um, you know, I haven't thought about it. I haven't made a list. This is just off the top of my head. And I've been thinking about it and I'm like, like, what's keeping us from having this conversation? Luke is a superstar. 
Like, we, we just need to say that. that. That's a fact. He is a superstar. Um, he's one of the best players in the league. And if he if he has, like, a deep playoff run or wins an MVP in the next, like, two years, he's arguably going to be the best player in the league. That's how good this kid is. Uh, but, yeah, those are my thoughts. I'm a huge Luka fan, and it hurts me. To, it doesn't really hurt me to say this. Uh, but, it like, just watching him play... As a Hawks fan, because I live in the Atlanta area, um, it just, it kills me knowing that we picked him and then traded him for Trey Young. And I, I love Trey Young. I'm, I'm a huge Trey Young fan. I'm a huge Trey Young supporter. Uh, but Luca's better. And Luca just makes me regret that we did that trade every time he plays. Uh, so shout out to Luca. But yeah, big win for the Clippers. I hope, I hope KP plays. I hope Porzingis plays. Uh, because if he doesn't, then the series is probably over for Dallas, uh, but I hope he plays. Alright, let's talk about the Heat versus the Pacers. Uh, man, the Pacers fought in this game. I mean, they, they were, they were just in it for, like, the entire game until the fourth quarter. Um, I do want to talk about Kendrick Nunn not playing. Why did he not play? I have no idea. Um, like, I, I mean, he, Eric Spolster was really vague about it. Basically saying, like, the role is bigger, or the goal of the team is bigger than the role of a player. Like, did Kendrick Nunn, like, murder somebody? Like, is there, like, did he do something criminal that we don't know about? Did he commit a felony? We need answers, because there's no reason why he shouldn't play. It's not like he sucks. Like, I know he's young, but he averaged 15 points per game in the regular season. It was a starter. On a team that finished in the top four of the in the East, like I don't know why he didn't play. He must have pissed off Eric Spolstra, like, because uh, I don't know why he didn't play. I need answers. I hope a, a beat writer or a reporter can figure out why he didn't play, because that's crazy. I don't know why he didn't play. He should have, uh, but that's a huge storyline to follow. Uh, I think a huge reason why the Pacers lost this game. It's because Victor Oladipo got hurt early on. Uh, he only played nine minutes because he got poked in the eye. Uh, and that's a huge loss for Indiana. I mean, I know that Oladipo wasn't playing, like, incredibly well in the bubble. But he was still playing. Like, he was still a good starter for them. Um, so that was a huge loss. Um, I was really impressed by Tyler Hero in this game. He had 15 points, hit some big shots. He was really good. Um, but the stars of the game were Gordon Dragic and Jimmy Butler. I mean, Jimmy Butler um, had some huge shots down the stretch, uh, as did Gordon Dragic. Uh, Dragic had 24-5-6. Jimmy Butler had 28-4-3. Uh, and, and when I say that, uh, it's 20, like, when I say 28-4-3, I mean 28 points, 4 assists, and 3 rebounds. Um, just letting y'all know, um, in case you didn't know what I meant. Uh, T.J. Ward, he played well. I mean, he had 22-3-8, four steals, shot 9 for 18 from the field. Um, he, he was playing pretty well, scoring the ball. Um, and Malcolm Brogdon, he played well. Um, had 22-10-1, 6 for 18 from the field. Didn't shoot that well. Um, but he, his playmaking was really, really nice in this game. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, this was a very tight game up until the fourth. Like, Jakar Sampson played well. Um, and the Pacers were just... Fighting, fighting, fighting. But in the fourth quarter, Dragic hit some shots. Miami, the Miami Heat got out to a big lead. Um, and then Jimmy Butler closed the game out with some big shots. Um, and yeah, if 
I mean, it'll be interesting to see if Kendrick Nunn plays at all in this series. Um, hopefully, I'm, I'm assuming Victor Oladipo will still play. I don't think he's going to be out for any significant amount of time. Uh, but that's something else to keep to keep in mind. Uh, but yeah, that was a fun game. Next up, we have Rockets Thunder. I'm not going to talk about this for too long because it was not a good game. Uh, and that's very pretty surprising because Russell Westbrook's out with injury. I thought this series could go to seven games. I predicted it would go seven. And it does not look like it's going to go seven at all. Uh, the Rockets won 123 to 108. That's not a huge margin of victory, uh, but they whooped up on the Thunder. Uh, James Harden, like, this dude is so good. He had 37 points, 3 assists, 11 rebounds, shot 12 for 22 from the field, 6 for 13 from the 3 point line. He was so good in this game, hitting shots off the dribble. I mean, he is, like, one of, if not the most unguardable scorer in the league. Um, and he was awesome in this game. As was Eric Gordon, he was great, 21-4-3. Jeff Green and Ben McElmore came off the bench and played out of their minds. I mean, Jeff Green had 22-4-6, shot 8-12 for from the field. And Ben McElmore shot, I mean, he had 14 points, 1 rebound, 5-8 for eight from the field, 4-7 uh, for seven from 3. I mean, he, he was really, really good in this game. One of the better players, honestly. And the Rockets, they were up big for a majority of the game. Um, and a main reason why is because the Thunder were giving up way too many open threes. I mean, the, the Rockets had so many open three-point shots. Um, and, th- and they made the Thunder pay for them. I mean, I, they shot 52 threes in this game. That's insane. Uh, they were just sucking it from deep. Um, but I don't I don't think the Thunder will, will struggle like this for the for much longer. I mean, SGA and Dennis Schroeder were horrible. I mean, they combined for 15 points, shot 15, 5 for 20 from the field, 1 for 8 from 3. They were bad. Uh, they're starting small forward. Dort, I believe is his last name. He didn't, he, I, I forgot if he got hurt or if he just didn't play. And without him, uh, their wing depth is horrible. Like, they have T- Terrence Ferguson. Uh, like, they, they just don't have a whole lot of wing depth. And with SGA and Dennis Roeder playing like they did, there there was very little. The Thunder had very little chance to win this game because you knew the Thunder were going to shoot well from three most likely, and they did. They shot fifty two of them, um, and Harden was unstoppable. So you know the Rockets made quick work of the Thunder in this game. Ho- hopefully SGA and Dennis Roeder can pick can, can pick it up uh, for game two, because uh, I was pretty disappointed with their performance. Alright, the last game I want to talk about before we get into the lottery is the Lakers versus the Trailblazers. Now, whoo, we had another upset. Oh, that, that that reminds me. I do need to talk about the Bucks Magic game. Uh, let's talk about this game, then I'll talk about the Bucks Magic. Uh, Lakers, Trailblazers, um, this is an 8 seed upsetting a 1 seed in game 1. Uh, we had two of those uh, yesterday, and man... The Trailblazers got out to a huge lead. I mean, they were up 33 to 16 at one point. It may have been 33 to 17. Uh, they got out to a big lead. The Lakers ended up, you know, ch- chipping away at that lead. They, they came back. Uh, LeBron, he had some nice moments um, attacking the basket, putting his head down. I mean, he had one spin move on CJ McCollum that was absolutely beautiful. He had 23, 16, and 17. 
um, and shot decently well from the field. Um, I think the um, the big storyline is his teammates and the way they did not perform at all. Uh, Eddie, I mean, he he had a, a just looking at the box score. I mean, he had a good game, twenty eight, one and eleven. But you also have to consider that he shot seventeen free throws, only made twelve, um, and he shot eight for twenty four from the field. He didn't have two steals and two blocks. But come on, AD, like you have to shoot better than that from the field and the free throw line. If you're gonna shoot how you did from the free throw line and the field, like that's not good enough. You gotta be better than that. Anti got out rebounded by Joseph Norkic. That can't happen. He's got to be- play better than he did. And then Danny Green and KCP were horrible. They were absolutely terrible. They shot like, a combined four for twenty-one from the field and two for thirteen from the three-point line. That's awful. KCP had one point, I believe. He was horrendous. Um, but let's focus on the Trailblazers real quick. The Lillard was like. Once again, awesome. I mean, he had 34-5-5, shot 9-21 for from the field, 6-13 for from the three-point line, 10-10 for from the free-throw line. I mean, he was so good. I mean, he was he was unstoppable. Shooting off the dribble. And in the fourth quarter, he had some deep shots uh, coming off screens. I mean, he was awesome down the stretch in this game. Um, and... Something I learned, like, I don't want to say something we learned, uh, or something that was proven to us in this game, uh, was that the Lakers have absolutely no one that can guard Dame. Uh, Alex Caruso tried. He got massacred, uh, by him and CJ McCollum. I mean, they both tore him to shreds. Um, uh, and, you know, Alex Caruso is a, he's not a bad defender. Um, uh, and that, that's a tough task to ask of Caruso, like, in his, I don't, if that, was that his first playoff game? Yeah, that was his first playoff game. In, in, in his first playoff game, he's going up against Dame, and you're asking him to guard him and CJ McCollum. I don't care that McCollum has a broken vertebrae in his back. That is a very difficult task. Um, and I, I, I hate that they had to ask him to do that. Um, but it's because they don't have anyone else that can guard him. I mean, Avi Bradley um, didn't go to the bubble. Um, and they don't have that many good perimeter defenders on the team. Um, and that that's going to be a huge problem for the Lakers going forward. Now, I don't think AD is going to be this underwhelming ever again uh, in this series. Uh, I think LeBron is going to be even more dominant. Um, I think Danny Green, maybe he'll wake up at some point. I don't know. He hasn't been playing very well at all in the bubble. Uh, I hope he does at some point. Uh, but yeah, I, I am, I am officially worried about the Lakers. Uh, if they don't get beat in this round, we, we, we could see them get upset in round two if they have to play Houston. I could see that happening, uh, but obviously we gotta get through this round first. But big win for the Trailblazers. Props to them. Props for Damian Lillard for keeping up the, pl- the high level play. Let's talk about the Bucks and the Magic. Almost forgot to talk about this game. Um... This was a horrendous performance by the Bucks. Uh, Giannis played well. He had a great stat line. Uh, but their defense was not very good. Orlando came out swinging. I mean, they played so well offensively. Um, starting off with Vucevic, their center. He was he played out of his mind. Had 35 points. He was incredible. Um, and the main reason why Orlando won this game 
primarily because of the three-point shooting. They ranked 26th in three-point shooting, or they ranked 26th this season in three-point shooting, but they, in shooting 36% from, uh, or 30, actually no, sorry, like shooting around 34% from three uh, during the regular season. They shot 39% from three versus the Bucks, uh, which was a pretty, that's a pretty remarkable jump. Uh, I don't think that's going to continue. Uh, and they did all that without Michael Carter-Williams, without Aaron Gordon. Um, and their offense was so good. I mean, they were just killing the Bucks with um, horns, sets, off-ball screens. They were getting open shots. I think Milwaukee's going to be able to adjust to that. They're too good defensively not to. I mean, they're too well coached not to. Uh, but this was not a strong showing from Milwaukee in Game 1. Defensively, um, they were just not very good. I expect them to improve and to make adjustments. Uh, but yes, props to the Magic. They played very, very well. Terrence Ross played well. They hit a lot of shots, hit a lot of threes, and they upset the Bucks. And, I mean, the Bucks just got whooped. Uh, I, I still think they're going to win, but this does ruin my predictions. I mean, I predicted the Bucks to sweep the Magic. Shout out to the Magic for uh, making me eat my words. And proving me wrong. Big win for them game one. Uh, but I expect Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, uh, and that whole Bucks team to step it up uh, for game two. And to show up. And, and I, I expect them to win. Um, and to finish this, this, this series in five. Uh, but yeah, that was a big win for the Magic. And we, we saw both one seeds get upset in game one. I don't know if that's ever happened before. It may have. It probably has. Uh, but yeah. That was, a, I mean, that was a, a great. Eight, eight games uh, that we saw in the last two days. Very fun to watch. Uh, but now it's time to talk about the, the NBA Draft Lottery. That happens tomorrow night. Uh, I'm going to pull up the Tankathon Draft, or the lottery on Tankathon right here. That's what I'm looking at. Uh, number 14 is, right now, it's just got, it's based off record. Um, it's got, at 14, it has the Boston Celtics. Uh, they got it was originally the Grizzlies pick. Uh, it's Boston, 13, uh, the Pelicans, 12, the Kings, 11, the Spurs, 10, the Suns, 9, the Wizards, 8, the Hornets, 7, the Bulls, 6, the Knicks, 5, the Pistons, 4, the Hawks, whoo, 3, the Timberwolves, 2, the Cavs, and 1, the Warriors. Um, so that's the, uh, that, those are the, um, that's teams 1 through 14 based on record. Um, obviously, the Warriors, the Warriors, the Cavs, and the Timberwolves all have the same odds to get the number one overall pick at 14%, followed by the Hawks at 12.5%, then the Pistons at 10.5%, um, and so those are the top five teams. Um, yeah, I can't wait for this lottery. This isn't a very good draft. Uh, the class is kind of weak, but it'll be interesting to see who gets the number one pick because there are a lot of guys who could go number one. In this class, it'll be heavily based on team fit and team need. Um, and we could see James Wiseman go one. We could see Lamelo. We could see, um, gosh, how am I forgetting his name? <coughs> Anthony Edwards. We could see Onyeko Okongwu. I mean, we could see a lot of guys go one. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who gets picked number one. Um, if Golden State picks number one, uh, I think they're going to go with Anthony Edwards. It sounds like that's the guy they're looking at. 
Uh, obviously, they'll, they'll want to trade the pick because they're in win-now mode, and nobody in this class will help them win-now. Um, except maybe Onyeko Okongwu, I can see him uh, helping helping them win-now. Um, but I think they'll want to trade back. You can see them trading back and trying to get Tyrese Halliburton out of Iowa State. Um, that'd, be a, uh, that'd be a really good fit. Uh, if Cleveland gets the number one pick, I hope they take Lamelo. They need some playmaking. Lamelo or Killian Hayes, either or. I love both. I think both guys are studs. I'm still trying to decide who I like more. I keep going back and forth. I, I was on Killian Hayes. I had Killian Hayes number one on my board for a while. Then I had Lamelo. Now I'm starting to question it again. Both guys are really, really good. So I would go with either one of them. They need playmaking. Uh, I think they're gonna go with. I keep seeing, like, James Wiseman going to them in mock drafts, which doesn't really make sense to me. Um, and that doesn't even that doesn't even take into consideration that I don't like James Wiseman. Just looking at their roster, they're, like, Andre Drummond's going to be back. Uh, and they, I mean, and Wiseman just doesn't really fit them. Uh, and they have Kevin, I mean, I just, I don't really understand why they would take James Wiseman when they, when they could take, like, LaMelo, or Anthony Edwards, or Killian Hayes, depending on who falls to them. Uh, but I hope they go with uh, Mello or Hayes. Um, I, I don't think I said who I, who, I pick, who I want the Warriors to pick. Honestly, Anthony Edwards, that's his best team fit. Uh, so that would be nice to see because I like Edwards. Uh, I'd also like to see them go with like Okongwu. I think he would be a really, really good fit. Uh, Minnesota at three. You know... Okongwu could be a good fit there next to Towns. You can let Towns be the floor spacer. Let Okongwu be the rim protector. And uh, he'll really help out uh, defensively. Edwards would be a good fit. He could be a second, a second, secondary shot creator there. Uh, Denny Abdia could be a good fit there. As well as like Devin Vassell. Um, you know, I keep seeing Lamelo to Minnesota. I don't really think that makes sense. Because I don't think D'Angelo Russell... Um, is like a great two guard or off off guard, uh, so I don't know. I don't really love that fit. But if I were them, I would consider Okongwu, um, <clears throat> and any of the wings like Anthony Edwards, Devin Vassell, Denny Abdia, maybe Isaac Okoro. Maybe not that high, but the draft sucks. So you know, whatever. Number four, the Atlanta Hawks. Obviously, I want Anthony Edwards. That's uh, one of the better team fits for Edwards in this draft. Uh, but he's probably not going to fall to four. Um, we would have to, like, get the number one pick and look into that. But at number four, I mean, we, we could take, like, Denny Omnia, Devin Vassell, Isaac Okoro. Um, we can take any of those guys. Those would be good fits. I think I, like, I think I, I go with, I feel like we already have, like, different versions of Devin Vassell in our team. I don't think we have a guy like Okoro, uh, so I'd like him. Uh, I'm a big Denny Omdia fan, uh, so I'd like to see him in Atlanta as well. Uh, we just need someone who can be a secondary shot creator, or just somebody who can just play defense, because our defense is not that good. Uh, number five, the Pistons. I, if I were them, I would take a point guard. Uh, like, Killian Hayes, if he falls that far, would be a great fit. Like, take him. Don't even think twice about it. Um, and, I, th- I mean, I think that that's... I mean, I, I honestly think that's likely. I think that could realistically happen. 
Uh, or I would go with like Kyra Lewis Jr. Uh, just get th- those are two guys that you need to just get them reps. Uh, as a as a pick and roll ball handler, just get them reps. Uh, they're not going to be good next year, so you can just spend that year developing whoever you pick at five. And I think I th- I think that uh, Killian Hayes and Kyra Lewis Jr. will be great picks at number five. Um, so I'm just going to go through the top five. That's all I'm going to do for the draft lottery. Uh, but yeah, let me know who y'all think each team should pick. I don't have enough time to go through all the teams, so I just went through the top five. Let me know what y'all think. Let me know what you think about the playoffs. Um, it's been fun. Can't wait to watch more playoff games. And I have fun. Uh, this is great. Hope y'all enjoyed, and I will see y'all next time. Peace. <laughs>